0: We're here for the Divine Tools Seminar, is is that right? That's what you're expecting to be in? Good. Um, I'm going to introduce these amazing ladies in a minute. Well, they're going to mostly introduce themselves. Um, But why don't we start with that? Uh, Each one of these amazing women, uh, well, they're they're just incredible. To be honest, that's the bottom line. That's why they're sat here. Um, B in the middle is... My, my dearest, dearest friend and sister-in-law, uh, we go back a very long way. Marg and I have connected um, a couple of years, is it now? And has become a, a really, really key part in my life. Damalala, I am getting to know. But I, who had Damalala last year? And she was fire, wasn't she? Yes just watch this space basically she is awesome Um, B is one of well you're her line manager one of her mentors church pastor to Damalola and so I hear this I get this steady stream from B about how amazing Damalola is and I'm like yeah you're right um So I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves. So uh, why don't we start with you, Damalola?
1: Tell us a little
0: bit about who you are, what you do.
1: My name is Damalola, and I've just broken, I think, my entire nail. So lovely to be with you all. Um, I am one of the discipleship pastors at my church, KXC, whoop, whoop. Um, And I also work in the Evangelical Alliance as part of their advocacy team. So that's my life in a nutshell.
0: Amazing. The funny thing is this morning I was talking about, you know, how people... Um, some people, when they, they say, I've broken a fingernail, it's spiritual attack. Yes. So I'm glad you didn't say that because I was being a bit rude about that. So, yeah, it's just a broken fingernail.
1: I, I was pulling it back before yeah, then. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. Okay. But feel free to intercede for me while yes, we're here so if, you, if you want to.
2: B. I'm B Hughes, and I'm very ordinary, but I'm also that slightly wacky, potentially over-spiritual person at times <laughs> that really annoys Rachel. no. You don't annoy me! Never! No, I mean you. We keep each other on our toes, don't we? <laughs> um, that's me. I lead Pepsi with my husband in London. I have three children. And I'm just buzzing to be with you all today. Thank you. And Marg. And
3: I'm Marg. Just let me clarify, it's not Marge, because otherwise it would be Marge Simpson. And I'm not Marge Simpson with a hairdo. Um, I live in Worcester. used to live in Birmingham for 26 years, so it's like coming home today. I'm a psychotherapist, and I live in Worcester, married uh, two adult children, married, and five beautiful grandchildren.
0: Amazing. And really, uh, really the heart of this session is all tied in with a theme that I began to unpack this morning. And the whole the whole sort of vision for the day is that it would all hang together. So the messages that Amy and I have prepared uh, for the main sessions, each of the seminars, uh, our our desire is that it would all hang together to kind of reinforce this theme, this word that we sense God giving to us. And so in essence, if, uh, if this morning was about like this is what divine power is, then this afternoon, this session is really about some of, this is not, we're gonna cover three of them, by no means is that an exhaustive list, Uh, but we wanted to look at three of perhaps the divine tools that God puts in our hands to help us in the battle. You know, again, we we talked this morning about rejecting some of the weapons of the world uh, because God wants to place in our hands these divine weapons, these divine tools that look very different from the world, that are counterintuitive, I read 2 Corinthians, it says, you know, we don't wage war like the world, but we have these divine tools that are, that are given to us to demolish strongholds, demonic strongholds. And so that's what we want to cover. And the thing is about these divine tools, what you realize, and as I said, these are just three of them, what you begin to realize is that these tools, they're it's like they're, they're surrender tools. They're like laying down tools. They're not passive. That's really important. They're not, as I said this morning, it's not like a resignation or an acceptance of the way that we see the world, but more the heart of these tools is about us stepping out of the frame and allowing God to step into the frame. Uh, and so that's really key because that's how we activate activate divine power in our lives. It's allowing God... Uh, through these tools uh, to, to do the fighting does that make sense Amen. and actually what's really key is that these tools are not an end in themselves that's where we can go wrong that's when we we end up in sort of religiosity that we make the tools our god you know and we become sort of obsessed with the tools rather than sort of the craftsman of the tools do you see what i mean uh, and so these tools they are really they're given to us to lead to Jesus. That They're given to us to draw us into encounter, into presence, uh, God's holy presence. That's, that's what we're... So when we pick them up, our objective is not to sort of get too excited about the tool. Our objective is is to be with Jesus. Our, our objective is to put him back again in our in our mind's eye, in our heart's affection and our mind's attention. That's what these tools are for. They're not the end in, the, in themselves. Jesus is always the end. Amen. And the beginning, by the way. <clears throat> so essentially, and the last thing to say on that is, these tools we we can't pick up these tools outside of relationship with Jesus again it's just they're, they're not separate they the, the very essence of them is about uh, it, it, it is about engaging with them within a relationship with Jesus so that's that's key okay we're going to start with the, th- the three we're going to cover are repentance intercession and fasting Repentance, intercession, and fasting. And I'm imagining in a room like this, there'll be some here that are like, yeah, I got this. I've heard every seminar there is. On all three of those, got it down. And the others that are like, wow, fasting. I've literally never heard. Who's never heard a talk on fasting? Oh, I thought there'd be more of you than that. Oh, thank you. Well done for being brave. well, that backfired, to be honest. But anyway, let's, let's move on. You're all clearly very spiritual. And... Uh... Let's move on. Um, so we're going we're gonna to start with repentance. We're going to start with repentance. And I've asked, uh, so Mark's going to focus primarily on repentance. B is going to focus primarily on intercession. And Damalara is going to focus primarily on fasting. But we're all going to, this is a conversation. Uh, and just so that you know the direction of travel, because again, I know some people like, like to know where you're going. Here we go. So we're gonna. I've got a series of questions that I'm gonna ask these guys. Uh, there will be a short time for Q and A. I've got somebody. Uh, my lovely friend Hannah is gonna be fielding the questions. So if you did want to ask a question, it's. Can you remember, Hannah, what it is? The address no it's in the program it's in the program there's an email address in the program if you want to send an email in uh, they'll make it will make its way to hannah and we'll if there's a couple that we can that we can mention hannah you had one job you had one job <laughs> can i just say she's a highly competent person i'm joking she doesn't mind she's a good friend but you don't mind me teasing you um so repentance we're going to start with repentance oh i forgot gosh I will crack on. So, short time queue And then we're going we're to have some ministry time. Because we know that when, uh, when people are fed back to us about the orchard, one of the key things that people love is the opportunity to be prayed for and to, to create space for ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is such a key value for us. So, we want to create space uh, at the end of the session for that. So be ready this isn't just theory guys this isn't just theory um so repentance finally got there repentance um we're going to start with that and i think it's fair to say that that repentance is a great starting point because so much of it sort of uh, bleeds into the to the other the other spiritual or the the divine tools that we're talking about. In fact, if you look at the Gospels, Jesus says on multiple, multiple occasions, repent, repent, repent. It's often Jesus' starting point when he meets with people. So clearly repentance is a really good place to start. But uh, I wonder if maybe particularly in our stream of the church, we have... uh, we have a misunderstanding of what repentance is, what it's for. So, Mark, could you uh, could you give us like your definition? How would you define repentance? Okay. I, I think uh, I think repentance
3: is not talked about, and I think often we don't use the word repentance. So, I just want to put it in some context initially, yeah. and I would want to put it in the context of the Garden of Eden, and let's go back to the Garden of Eden where. In that context, doubt came in about humankind's identity and God's identity. Mm -hmm. And why? Because we were listening to an an imposter voice, i.e. Satan. And at that point, sin came in. So repentance is in the context of you and I coming back into our restored identity Mm -hmm. and coming back into the context of God has never, ever, ever stopped relentlessly pursuing us so that we can come back into our full identity. And repentance is part of that enabler. It's part of that toolbox uh, to bring us back into our full identity. So what is repentance? Repentance is actually saying that I have sinned. And Augustine says sin is our thoughts, words, Deeds, desires that stand in opposition to the eternal laws of God. So, in other words, our thoughts, our words, our deeds hurt God's heart. That's sin. And so, repentance means to turn around. Metanoia in the Greek means to turn around. We're turning around in our thinking, in our behaviors, in our thoughts, and our words and our deeds in order to come back into relationship with God. And I love the way Tom Wright explains what Jesus was saying. And and he says this, I'm just gonna read it, he says, this is what Jesus is wanting to express through repentance. Give up your way of doing things. I have a better idea. Come with me, you're going the wrong way. You're going to have to turn around. God is doing a new thing. And that is for us individually, but that's also for us societally and culturally and nationally. We need to repent, turn around individually and culturally and na- nationally, which is where intercession and fasting comes in.
0: And I wonder if uh, sometimes when we think about <laughs> repentance, we can, we can again misunderstand it as, as sort of us needing to appease like an angry god who is so fed up with us just sort of messing things up over and over again it's like it's almost like we see repentance as a sort of groveling back to this cross Mm -hmm. father figure um but that that's not the heart of it do you want to explain a little bit more i think we probably all
3: need to I love what Toze said. He said, the things that go through your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Yeah. Mm. What you think about God will affect how you think, how you feel, what you do. And most of us at the core have to ask ourselves, is God an angry God or a loving God? Just let that land for a minute. Is he present? Is he loving? Is he kind? Or is he harsh? Is he absent? Because God's heart is relentlessly pursuing us. He loves us. He sees us. He pursues us. From the Garden of Eden right to now, he has never stopped lovingly pursuing us. Pursuing us so much so, that he gave up his only Son, and we trip that off our t- tongues. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But think about that. That was his loving kindness. So then, to address the question, do we have to appease God? God weeps over us messing. He weeps over our sin. He isn't here to be harsh and to be cruel and to be angry. No, he relentlessly pursues us in love and constantly says, come back, this is the way, this is the way. And so I would want to say this afternoon, perhaps some of us today need to turn around and rethink who is the God I believe in.
0: And so we're talking about divine tools. Mm -hmm. How do you see repentance working as a divine tool? Why is it a gift? You know, if it's not a religious duty, it's not us having to appease an angry God. If we sort of reframe it, like actually repentance has been given to us, it's a gift, it's a divine tool. How How does it work?
3: Okay. I I, this is where I get really weepy okay because I think God in his loving kindness sent his son to die for us and then he provides a way through repentance for us to come back to him so why is it a gift because it's a way that I can come to God and say I'm really sorry for hurting your heart And God, I want to turn around and come back and follow your ways. And in that way, what he's saying is, this is a gift I'm giving you. And why is it a gift? Because when we repent, we're set free from the burden of guilt of a seared conscience. It sets us free from guilt and shame. And it sets us free to know who we are. So think about... Let's be real women. How many of you have self-critical thoughts? Okay, so think about then, God has made you in his image. You're his beautiful daughters, and he sees you as precious, honored, and loved. He delights in you. So do your self-critical thoughts line up with what God says about you? No. And so what God invites you to do is to actually see that what you're thinking about yourself doesn't line up with his truth. So we need to turn around and say, God, I am so sorry. That's confession of the way I think about myself. But God, I'm sorry that it's hurt your heart because I'm made in your image. If your children, nieces, nephews, godchildren, thought critically about themselves, you'd weep over them, wouldn't you? You'd say, come on, let's not think like that. And so you'd make a way for them to come back. And that's exactly what God does. It's a tool for us to know more of our, de- our true identity in Him.
0: And I know, um, you're a, you know you do a lot of counseling with people um, and repentance is a, is a key tool that you use within that setting. Yeah. Uh, again, can you talk us through how, how that works and, and what are the effects that you've seen on people as, as you've invited them, you're sort of leading people into repentance? Yeah. So if you think, I'd want to just
3: say that confession is not repentance first. So confession says, if I hurt Rachel this afternoon, say I went and thumped Rachel, or that, well, that I'm going to. But if She's I done did, that before, to be honest If I did that, I would confess to Rachel, Rachel, I'm sorry I hurt you. Okay, that's confession. We're owning I've done something wrong. What repentance does is, I am so sorry because I know I've hurt you personally, but I've also hurt God, because Rachel is made in God's image. She's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now that's really important, because you and I all have a narrative, you all have a story, you all have early experiences. And in those early experiences, you will have had things said to you, and done to you, that are not in line with what God thinks about you. So what does that mean? So you come to me for therapy, and what I do is take you on a journey, like on the road to Emmaus, where there's a clear pass and the companion walking along, and Jesus appears, and he says, tell me all about it. So we invite Jesus into the counseling story, and we ask Jesus to show each person by his spirit all about their early experiences. What are the negative things that they've believed about themselves, had spoken over them? What are the experiences and events that have hurt them? And how has that distorted their thinking about themselves, about God, about others? Now, why is that important? Because a lot of that narrative stands in opposition to what the truth of what God says about them, God, and others. So as part of that counseling journey, we invite God to open our eyes, just like on the road to Emmaus, to see what we're believing about self isn't right. Once we have that revelation from the Holy Spirit, we then pray together and confess it. This is what I've believed about myself or others or God, and then we ask God for godly sorrow. We repent. God, I repent of where I've believed lies about myself. I repent of believing lies about you, God, and who you are. I repent about my judgments against self, others, and God. And then as we confess our sins and repent, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and to cleanse us. And there's freedom, there's the renewal, there's the unpacking that takes place in the therapy room with God, because God is a wonderful counselor. And isn't that amazing? God, come and set us free. And so I would want to say to any of you this afternoon, where you've believed the negative about yourself because of experiences or wrong things spoken of you, or about God. There is freedom through repentance.
0: Maybe I could give a little example of uh, some of the journey, actually journeying with Mark, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And one of the narratives for me is, you're ugly. Like, that's, that's been a narrative in my, in my thinking for a very, 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 very long time and it kind of rears its ugly head, ironically. Um, You know, and has done lots of different, and this is something we've processed together. And you know, I've been a Christian for years and years and years, and I'd never never made the connection between sort of being free of that narrative and this gift of repentance. And for me, it was like a revelation that how have I been in church for all these years, and I've never made the connection? How have I never activated this divine tool that can set set us free. And obviously the author of the divine tool is Jesus. That's the point. And so part of the journey that we went on together is that Marg would lead me in these prayers of repentance around the way that I am colluding with the enemy's narrative. You know, so that I'm actively saying to God, not in a coercive way at all, but Lord, I'm, I'm really sorry that I have... I've, I'm colluding with what the enemy is saying to me about the way that I look, but also uh, I'm colluding with the values of the world. And actually, I'm gonna ask you in a sec about idols, idolatry and the connection there, because the other thing was that I'd, I'd realized that, that that the. That the it was the, the idolatry of physical beauty that was propping up this narrative as well. And so in in the repentance, it would be, God, I'm so sorry where I have put physical beauty on the throne, like I've made that my God. I've made that more important than you, Jesus. And actually in sort of tearing down the idol of needing to look a certain way or that it's, it's, it's undermined, it's broken, the narrative is broken. So maybe share a little, again, idolatry isn't something we talk about much but it's, it's so key in this repentance, freedom. So, so if you
3: think idols aren't just wood okay yeah. <laughs> idols are those things that eclipse the truth of who God is and the truth of who God says we are and I really want to ask you what are your I am statements? I am beautiful, I am loved I am significant, I am secure now I'm going to give another example to, uh, to, to help alongside Rachel's. I was talking with someone uh, literally this week and they'd made a mistake in on the road traffic stuff. And it was an everyday thing. And they got themselves, to to use a phrase, in a right pickle, I would say. (laughs) And this is just an ordinary conversation. It wasn't in counselling, but you know that's where we went. And um, they were saying, "But Mark, I made a mistake. I should have got it right. I should have got it right." There's the shoulds, the musts, and the oughts that we all live under, which are just rules for living that aren't often according to God's standard. And I said, "So tell me, what is so bad about getting it wrong?" Well, because you've got to get it right. And what we did was, we recognized that getting it right perfectionism can become an idol. Because if we take away perfectionism, if we, in this incident, take away getting it right, what that person said was, then who am I? It made me want to weep because all their lives, they had strived, striven, is that the word? To get it right and if I don't get it right, then I'm not good enough, I'm not okay, I'm not significant and what am I to other people? Now there's the idol, I have to get it right. Now doesn't the enemy want us to live under that? And so that person then said, Mark, I feel so vulnerable because if I let go of the idol of guessing it right, I feel so vulnerable because I don't know who I am. And they were in the 60s. And so what we did was we just spent some time confessing it and then repenting of wrong belief about self and asking God to take us on a journey of revealing who this person was. And we repented and asked God to forgive that wrong thinking and where those root lies had come from, from childhood. But here's the thing, I bet most of you are feeling quite empathic for that person right now. But the reality is we all do it in one way or the other. And so the prayer is God come and help us to who we really, really are and let him set us free to be the women God wants us to be and that's in surrender in letting go of those idols those lies of the enemy
0: Amazing We're going to jump on now to intercession but be, be assured we want to create space to pray because I know I know listening to that will stir things in people's hearts and we want to create space to respond so it's not just theory but that we can put these tools into practice even even right now b my head's in there come like, uh, yeah. in <laughs> <laughs> minister uh intercession intercession b i'm there <laughs> yes exactly um but, uh, do you know, I have had the privilege of watching Bee's prayer life quite close up because we lived together before we were married and we've remained really great friends, clo- close, close friends, we're in the f- same family. And Bee's prayer life has been an inspiration to me. Uh, not, not because, you know, because she's sort of above, but because it's a gritty prayer life. It's a prayer life that is rooted in the reality of life. And, and B has this incredible spiritual sensitivity. She has this ability to sort of read what God is doing in a room. And I, I don't have that. I don't have that in the same way. Uh, and so it's, it's such a privilege to, uh, to have journeyed that alongside with you and to have you here so that you can share a little bit about your your journey of intercession and you know I wonder if again uh, li- a bit like repentance intercession is another one of these tools that we can misunderstand you know we can have these sort of preconceived ideas about what intercession is uh, and and what is what it isn't and I think one of the things when I think about intercession, it sort of feels a bit intimidating. You know, we can opt out and think, oh, that's for like the really spiritual ones, you know, that I'm not spiritual enough for, for intercession. That's for other people. But if you, were, if you were chatting to somebody who had no idea what intercession was, how would you explain it to them? Yeah, when you asked me this, I was suddenly like,
2: I've never asked myself that question before. <laughs> I had to sort of delve into the concept of there's prayer, which is like a general category. And that sort of covers like contemplative prayer. It's quite mouthful. Thanksgiving, petition. But I think intercession is about um, standing in the gap. It's the now and not yet. It's seeing what's there. It's warfare. It's uh, bridging the gap. That's what I feel like it is between praying for the kingdom to come, for heaven to come down Mm. to earth. Mm. That's sort of how I see intercession.
0: And so if if intercession is, again, this tool that that God gives us, a divine tool to bridge the gaps, again, I'm thinking, you know, this morning we were looking at some of those big, heavy topics, you know, around some of the wrongs in the world. Uh, Then intercession is for us to sort of stand in in the gap. But the outworking of intercession can can have lots of different sort of faces and looks. And yet, I know for me, I think immediately when I think of intercession, I imagine sort of a, a, a person sitting really quietly in a dark room with a candle. And it totally puts me off because that's just... You may love the thought of that, but I'm, I'm quite an active person. And part of the journey that I've been on interse- with intercession is, is actually physical exercise really helps me engage in intercession. So if I'm walking the dog or I'm on a run or on a bike, you know, it, it, it might sound a bit odd to the people walking past, but actually that helps me engage. Again, for you, why, why do you think intercession is this, is this key gift in the toolbox? Uh, you know, what um, what would you say to somebody who is wanting to pick up the gift of ses- intercession either for the first time or maybe for a while? Yeah, I, I think I've always had a weird relationship with the word intercession
2: because of that exa- exactly the same image of growing up in a church where it was always, um, no offence, but the older ladies that would be allocated in session, And so when someone said to me... <laughs> Intercession and flower arranging. Flower arranging, yeah. yes. Or um, tea making. Nothing's wrong with any of those sorts of things. But I think when someone first said to me, oh, be, you've got a gift of intercession, I just felt this like, oh, <laughs> is that really how you see me, God? Like, this is just so depressing. And I sort of went on this wrestle- with the word, because I have absolutely no problem with intercession, I had a problem with the word and the attachments to the word. And I had to go on a bit of a journey with um, discovering what intercession is and discovering who I am, because our personalities are attached to how we're going to pray or how we're going to intercede. So um, firstly, I want you to know that intercession is really creative and it's a language. Mm. And with any language and with any creativity, there's um, freedom to explore, mm. there's freedom to find out. So if you're new to the Word or you've been doing intercession for years, I want to encourage you to explore and expand what intercession can look like, because mm. um, it's really amazing. And it's one of the most powerful tools when you feel like mm. utter despair, How it's just everything's too much it's never too much for God and it's this release and it all comes off you and suddenly you leave like whoop passing because you're like this whole new language that you've got and so I think I wanted to sort of share just a few sort of observations of where I've seen intercession outplay itself and then I'll ex- share how I express intercession so um one of the areas is writing you write your prayers poetry songs painting sign language as you can see here dance Rachel running, like she was saying, so if I'm going through something that's like, mm, I'm so angry, running, whack that music on and like stamp it out, particularly if I'm not in a place where I can roar or like shout. I know you can't imagine that I'd ever shout, but I do, I, oh, I she shout can shout. <laughs>
0: she can shout.
2: But find those places. car journeys, I love a car journey with no one else in the car with me, yeah. whack that worship up. And I genuinely take on stuff that if I was just sitting still, I'd be a bit like that. But as soon as I enter into the car, something takes over. And I mean, goodness knows what people think when they try to pass me on the motorway. But I love it's my little space of like doing business with Jesus. On a bus, taking the kids to school sometimes, just in my head, just starting to like, Pray for their day. Pray for what's going on. Just in your head. It doesn't need to be out loud. Just a little. Sometimes it's just thoughts. And then I don't even remember to give them to the Lord, but he's taken them. He's caught them. Then another time, um, I've been through a season where, um, which I will talk about later, but in grief, tears have been in session for me. Just had no words. Had nothing. And the Lord's just captured every single tear. And we were chatting earlier, weren't we, about preparing for this. I just couldn't stop crying. I don't know why, I'm just weeping, but I knew it was like that it was just catching these blobs of what I was capturing of his heart. Don't always have to have words. Sometimes it's, prayer's a mystery, God's a mystery, but I was connecting with him and his heart in that moment and the outworking was just tears out they were coming. The other one I love is tongues. Whoa. This one is like, you're not know know talking about so kissing, oh, you? No, not it. kissing. <laughs> love that too with my husband, but <laughs> I was more meaning that... Um, the gift of tongues which would love to pray for that to be released today because oh, it's yeah. incredibly powerful when you don't have words but you've just got so much emotion in you that you I can't express it I just launch into tongues and my tongue changes in different moments yeah. there'll be moments when my tongue is very gentle and very soft and very tender and other times it's like get out of my way I'm coming through <laughs> you know it's like that sort of Um, warrior sort of charging and other times it's this it can be weepy and sort of tender and gentle and it's just so lovely to express ourselves isn't it the worst thing for me is when things get clogged in me as a prophet and as an intercessor if it gets clogged in me it's lethal it's absolutely lethal for me so it's another form of expression but it's all going into Jesus' hands it's all going into his feet it's all going to the cross it's all going over to him Um, another one putting the kids to bed when you sit at the end of the bed and you're just willing them to go to sleep my kids aren't those sort of kids that go to bed on their own and go to sleep they're the sort of kids like stay with me mum and you're like trying to be really gracious with them but I try and use that time start interceding do you know the best time to pray for your kids is when they're asleep it's amazing what warfare you can do over your children when they're fast asleep we'll talk about that one later as well The other thing which I totally agree with you is I'm motivated when I'm around people. So if I'm praying on my own in an intercession way, I can keep going for a bit. And if I'm on a run, I can go longer. If I'm with people, I can keep going for quite a long time. And it's almost like tag teaming. It's almost like I'll start and I'm like, take over, take over, take over. And actually worship on as well. Um, And I say I'm half introvert, half extrovert. So I actually need the time on my own. But I'm more... um, I can last longer in intercession
0: around people. I'd sort of feed off the energy, feed off the spirit. I was just gonna ask you actually about personality because you're not necessarily somebody that likes the spotlight. You don't don't want to sort of draw attention to yourself in terms of your personality. But actually often when I've seen you intercede, it's loud, it's, you know, it's physical. How, how have you sort of gotten over yourself, as it were, in order, in or, like getting, gotten over your inhibitions in order to be true to uh, the intercession response that God is wanting to lead you into? Yeah. Does that make sense? Because I think yeah, sometimes we really see... a really good yeah. question. You
2: didn't prep me for this Sorry. One. Interesting.
0: Um, I was only saying earlier that my
2: favourite place to be it right at the very back and just observing and watching and moving. But um, someone once described at me like an ecstatic prophet never heard of that before and I uh, thought it was a really helpful description of my nature is to say don't ask me to do something don't look at me don't observe me but when I feel the spirit on me or I feel the Lord in me it's like an, he just takes over and I'm like I'm all in let's just do it and I sort of shut my eyes and off we go and then I reopen them, and I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> um, but I wonder if that, there is a part of me that that is true to who I am, but because of brokenness and damage mm-hmm. and lies, um, we've grown up with narratives, which is a bit of a Victorian narrative scene, not heard, don't make a scene, don't show off, don't do... So I've sort of had to come out oh. of some of that, and the only way it comes out is actually when I feel the Lord on me, I just, the thought of not being obedient to him is far more frightening than mm-hmm. staying quiet. I love that. Could I just make
3: a comment? I wonder, listening to what you're saying, I wonder how many people in this room often will go into a room and start to feel things in a room and feel really uncomfortable or suddenly they'll start feeling insecure and they're not normally insecure or they're feeling all these different things and they're picking them up and sometimes feel, whoa, what's happening to me? And I guess I'd want to... Ask you well, and, and to have that conversation. Actually, that is often intercession. Yeah, it's good. It's not that you're losing the plot, <laughs> but actually, it's because you're gifted with intercession. Mm. And it's often because you're quite sensitive, and it's often because you feel things, and no one has actually explained to you. Actually, you're not mentally. Un- uh, unstable unstable thank you that's the word you're not mentally unstable but actually god has gifted you with a gift of intercession Mm. and he's wanting you to see what's in the room Mm. and to pray it to set people free
0: and i wonder if this afternoon some people need to be set free Mm. for intercession amen well well actually that leads on to the, the next question which again is sort of broader than that but how how do you know what to intercede for? And said, you know, one of the ways can be you walk into a room and it's like, oh, I feel something, I need to intercede. But, you know, there is, on any given day, there are like literally a million things that you could intercede for on a personal level, on a church level, on a national level, on a global level. How have you learned to sort of, um, how have you learned to, to hear the voice of God on any given day? Okay, this is what I need to intercede for. What are the prompts? Um, Yeah, because it can be really
2: overwhelming when you're high empathy, you're prophetic, you enter into spaces, because that's another skill, isn't it? To learn to know when to flick it off and not feel it. Um, I think I've learned, we've grown up, I've grown up um, with a lot of mind over matter, um, logic. Um, Whereas I think with intercession, for me, it's like, what do you feel where are your emotions yeah. where are your senses where are your antennae is going and um i i try to listen to where am i passionate where am i angry where am i excited and um in my therapy session with margaret another therapist um she wants to help me understand anger is energy and charge that energy into session into, into session b and i found that so helpful so i tend to listen to like where am I disturbed by something or angry about something and then I quite often find that's where the Lord's saying now push into that B. push into that or what's causing me distress or what's like firing me up with excitement you know like when Rachel was speaking this morning I was like come on you know like this. I mean I could have roared literally with everything you were saying It's like but those are moments of like the, the other massive area for me is if the enemy gets near my kids then I'm charged it's like watch where your passions are watch what you love that's good and when yeah. you see things going wrong there usually that will like, activate mm. an intercessory spirit um, but I tend to listen to senses and emotions mm. see, see what I'm seeing but more feel what i'm feeling
0: i actually think that's really important because then I, again i think we live in a world and a culture that is so wired to uh, to accept logic logical things more quickly yeah. that we can i think sometimes we we can compartmentalize can't we or dismiss something that is feelings based or emotions based. And actually, this is challenging for me because I would, you know, I might be more on the head side sometimes, but actually we have to remember that God has given us our thinking and our emotions and he's going to work through both. And probably each one of us is going to be wired in a different way to hear God or to sense God You know, differently, either through our thinking or emotions or both. You know that we need both are valid. Both and and it's again personality,
2: Um, and and it's just learning that my emotions can be trusted. Yeah, because I think a lot of the time I'm told it's too much. Calm down, chill out. It's like, but actually, the gift of intercession is if it is too much. The whole point is, you're like you're giving it back to God. It's like, take it back. Mm. This is yours. You break through. You do the work. Yeah. But I'm with you,
0: and I hear you. Like I'm, I'm just thinking of a time. I'd love, B, if you could share a couple of like specific personal experiences yeah. where God's put something on your hair, your your heart, mm-hmm. to intercede for, and you, you know, and you've seen God move. I'm, I'm thinking. I know for me, I remember hearing this this talk and it was a Kay Warren talk. If you guys know Rick Warren, Kay, Kay is his wife. And she was speaking about vulnerable children. And that's something that God had put on my heart uh, around vulnerable children, adoption, fostering. And then literally a couple of weeks later, I think it was, it was in a, I, uh, I then watched this movie called Lion. I don't know if everyone has seen the movie Lion. Uh, and I, I like so... Sobbed from the, o- from the opening few moments to the very end, like sobbed, gut-wrenching sobs. And at the end of it, I knew, it's like it, t- it took me like g- two hours of gut-wrenching sobs to realize that the Lord was speaking, you know? <laughs> this wasn't just a well-made movie. And actually, that was intercession yeah. because the, the story of Lion is a boy that's adopted. And it was like God was, was really placing that on my heart. Uh, and we, we've got an adopted little girl. Uh, and and that's, it, it, was, it was listening to that and responding to it rather than just sort of dismissing it as oh, I'm just crying because it's a movie. It's like, no, 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 God is really speaking. So again, can you think of times in your life where that's happened? I have got some stories, but you've triggered some thought. Oh, good. Which happened in, we went to watch Crash together. Yes, do you remember
2: years I ago? do, do you years ago. Remember Crash, ago. that's probably showing up our age. Anyone seen it? The film Crash? Yeah, a long there's, time ago. Um, I wouldn't go into the whole story, but we were watching, I don't remember, we, we were howling in that howling. film. Howling. And our husbands were sitting there, nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. But I couldn't catch my breath. And there's this scene where, it's a long time ago, but there's a police officer that has abused this lady. And then she's in a crash. And then he's the one that comes to rescue her from the car. What's oh, going to set me off now. And it was just... Uh, this thing like triggered and triggered and triggered me and what awoke in me because of my own story to do with abuse was we we have to reach women Lord we have to reach women that haven't got their voice like she was so gagged by this man and it was the same thing watching this film it triggered this like and as a result and I'm not a therapist but whenever I'm round um, trauma in the area of abuse it's like the Lord just brought a swarm of women behind me after that moment Mm. where um I've had the honor and privilege of praying through abuse stuff with them, uh, similar to my own different stories. And then I've got them into therapy and um, been able to walk alongside them in the journey. Mm. So that would be a point. In fact, films are a massive trigger for me, mm. watching things um, and suddenly finding that they surface there. And a lot of the time, sometimes things will trigger and you'll pray and you warfare, but it might not be for now because in, intercession hasn't got a time on it which is really annoying because I was trying to think of the stories today to tell you you know the ones that like and the next day changed I have so few of those it's so annoying and I was just struggling to think of stories when you asked me I was like you know, don't you find your brain goes blank yeah. like, I can sure. give you a story
1: of course yes. so we as a church as KXC one part of our story has been that we've not really had a building a stable building of our own we've been using a number of different buildings um, and so there was a period this is Prior to lockdown, or maybe it's in the midst of lockdown, and we there's a building that's come on the market, and we've expressed interest in it, and we're like wanting to go for it. And then there's a process where we initiate contact with the people who are selling it, and then there's like radio silence from them, and we're living in the now and the not-yet of what's to be with this building. Lo and behold, people of God, there's one staff meeting, and we're praying about this. And then Pastor B. Hughes says. <laughs> i can't shake it but i think that building is supposed to be ours and so then b leads intercessory charge for that building and she's like lord if you're in it it's ours (laughs) where do we worship today people of god we worship in that building and when i see that building i'm like pastor b pray this into being. So there's an example for you. Thank you so much. And you know I we can have
0: I can think of another example. That B emailed our family last year and said, I re- God's really put it on my heart to intercede for all our kids. And so she you got us you mobilised the whole family to pray for one of the grandchildren every day through the month wow. of December and you know that's B that's that's B's heart for intercession and we're going to do it again this year and it works and it works it God works. moves so good. Uh, okay we're going to jump we're going to move on because we I don't want to run up time we're going to we're going to look at fasting um does anyone else immediately feel hungry when you mention the word <laughs> fasting <laughs> it's just me um You know, it's interesting how fasting has become trendy now. Have you seen that? Like, it's it's trendy to fast now. And I was kind of laughing to myself, thinking, it's funny how the world, like, takes something that God has given us as a divine tool and then kind of strips it of his power, repackages it and then makes it about us, you know? So like prayer becomes mindfulness (laughs) and then fasting becomes like this new fad diet and it's like, have you read the Bible? Have you read the Bible? Have you read the words of Jesus? Um, But it's interesting because actually statistically only about two percent of christians fast regularly like that that's what the statistics tell us again probably a divine tool that is misunderstood a lot of the time or misconceived not taught on although you're all clearly very spiritual and have heard lots of talks about fasting i think there can be some guilt and shame wrapped up in in fasting religiosity like superiority kind of a badge of honor um look how good i am at fasting i must be super holy um but Jesus' instructions are really clear. He he says to his disciples, when you fast, not like if you fast, but when you fast. So it's not a stretch to say that if you're following Jesus, then one of your kind of regular tools in the toolbox is fasting when it comes to activating divine power. So Damalola, um, how, how would you explain some of what's going on when we fast? Because it's pretty peculiar, isn't it? Let's be honest, we are, we are like depriving our body of the nourishment that it needs. Quite frankly, when I fast, by lunchtime, I'm not on like a spiritual mountaintop, I'm just hungry, like I'm just hungry. So help us to understand like what is going on, why?
1: So um, the passage that comes to mind for me with this is Luke chapter 3 and Luke chapter 4. Um, so in Luke chapter 3 from verse 21 to 22, what's happening is Jesus is getting baptized and the heavens open after he's baptized and the Father speaks, his love and affirmation over him. And if you're here today and you follow Jesus and you know him, that's the settled state of the heart of God towards you. So as we come to consider this practice, we say first and foremost, it's not about earning points in the kingdom of God or seeking to win our Father's affirmation and approval. We have it because of Jesus. Fasting is not about that. The passage continues, Luke chapter four, it starts off and the spirit, Jesus is full of the spirit and he's led by the spirit into the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights and he comes out of that experience, he goes into it filled with the spirit, he comes out of it filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Fasting is about making space in our bodies to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we fast, we are following Jesus who fasted. A part of what Jesus did on the earth was that he came to the earth, submitted himself to the will of the Father and through his death, you and I know life. And when we fast, what we're doing is that we are submitting our flesh, our bodies, our desires to the will of the Father. And through that, through that making space for God, we give space for the life of the spirit within us to be translated into power. And that brings life to us, but to the world around us. So we fast for ourselves, for the sake of growing in spiritual power, the sake of being close to God, but also for the sake of the world around us. Fasting is a form of death. If you've ever tried it, you'll know (laughs) that. You'll feel it straight in your body. But when we fast, we are denying the flesh, saying no to the flesh so we can say yes to the spirit. They are these two reflexes that are engaged when we fast. And that's in a nutshell what fasting is about, not about getting the father's approval, but what we do with the father's approval and with the filling of the spirit is we translate that into power for the sake of the world.
0: Very good. We're going to get practical in a moment. I've got a couple of sort of practical things, but I want to sort of dig in a, a, a little bit more uh, to, again, to the sort of the why, the why of fasting. Um, and, you know, you talked about this, this, this um, ability that fast, this fasting does to sort of awaken us, to awaken a, a greater hunger, creates space for more of the Holy Spirit. Um, Do you know, I've completely lost my track of thoughts. I had a really good, let's just get practical. I said, we're not going to get practical yet. We're going to get practical.
1: Let's go there first and then we'll come back. Can I actually just raise a point on that since we um, just had that bit of space? One of the things that happens when we fast, so one of the things that Jesus says in this interaction with the devil, the devil comes and he says three things. He puts three propositions before him using the word of God, twisting it. um, And Jesus is responsible bonding at each point now in the first place Jesus says the enemy says to him I know you're hungry You're super hungry. You know you're hungry. I know you're hungry. What you should do is turn these stones into loaves of bread. And Jesus responds out of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, and he says, we are not meant to live by bread alone. And if you go to that passage, the rest of it is that we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And what that tells us in a nutshell is that as people who are body but also spirit, the way that our bodies need food is the way that our spirits need the living God. We need the word of God for our survival. So in the midst of fasting, when it feels like hunger is about to drive you mad, that's a sign that your spirit is feeling that desperation for God. And what am I gonna do? What are you going to do to make sure that the body isn't getting fed while the spirit is being starved? But another thing that happens when we fast is that our dependencies come to the fore now the body has appetites this is God's system this is God's plan and it is a good plan and it was all going swimmingly until we arrived at Genesis chapter 3 earlier on and though the body has good appetites they've been disordered And they know dysfunction to the point that what should have just led us to enjoying God and enjoying his goodness now becomes turned in on ourselves and subject to dysfunction. And so with these appetites, in particular for food when it comes to fasting, but also a range of other appetites which we abstain from in the course of our spiritual formation at different points, when we fast, we're saying, I see this good thing and I want to live in the fullness of this good thing, but I'm not going to be dominated by this thing to the point where my flesh is dictating to my body. My flesh, my disordered desires are telling my body how to live. No, I'm going to make space for the spirit to reorder my system. So I'm fully enjoying the good things that God has given, but they never become ultimate things above God himself. They are always submitted to the power and the presence of the living God. But when we fast, it gives space to know where our relationships with these good things that God has given. have become somewhat disordered. So myself, for example, me and my stomach, we are friends. And I love to eat food. This is not a bad thing. Until the point where it gets to the fact that me being hungry means that it is much, much harder for you to see the image of Jesus inside of me because I become extremely, extremely cranky. Now, that is like a normal human phenomenon, right? So I'm not like killing myself over being cranky but what it shows is that there is some room here for me to know more of the spirit's power so that when I'm weak he has space to move in and be the strength that I need rather than me always just evolving to working it out by myself fasting is creating space for me to rework my appetites and know what it is to know the spirit's power even amidst my weakness in my body and in the rest of my life. So good.
0: I, I remember um, for a while when my kids were little, I, I wouldn't fast and I you know be like noble because you know when I fast I just just not a very I'm just you know just it sort of diminishes my ability to parent my children well because I become hangry Indeed. and that, that stops me from being patient with them and you know I had this revelation that it's just not the kids that the problem it's me because actually. yes our body is like screaming feed me feed me but actually it reveals some anger that i need to process you know and that's what you're talking about isn't it that the we become aware of the flesh like screaming out to be fed and to be dealt with sorry were you going to say something no
3: well i was just thinking that's where repentance and intercession all come together actually Mm. because what we're talking about is our relationship with jesus here Constantly coming back to Jesus. Mm. And that's what we're saying here, isn't it? Mm. Those desires, those lusts of the eye, the lust of the flesh and so on mm. are just rawr, raging. Yeah. Yeah. And actually it says we fast that we see that in ourselves. And so really need to come back and say, Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. it's a gift of fasting. It's a gift of intercession. It's a gift of repentance. Yes. It's all about what God is bestowing.
0: Honor. Absolutely. I was thinking as well with fasting, Samuel. Um, and we we sort of t- touched on it that I think I think if 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 people aren't used to fasting, the I think that. The temptation is to think that those that do fast have this like special gift that they don't feel hungry when they fast you know that that somehow they have this special gift and they can just sort of rise above their hunger and they just sort of float around while they're fasting on this spiritual high. <laughs> that has never been my experience of fasting I just think about burgers all day long. And I try and change my thinking about burgers to Jesus. But I I do wonder, and I think this is possibly part and parcel of the culture that we live in, that we don't like spiritual practices that feel uncomfortable. That, you know, actually the spiritual experience is being hungry. Like that is the spiritual experience, is feeling hungry because it points us to our deeper hunger for god's word and for god's presence i wonder what you think about that dhammalala that actually we we love worship you know we we love maybe even for some of us intercession yeah yes i'll have some of that fasting oh no that's a bit that's that's too much that's too much like hard work what, what do you think about that
1: yeah, that's so good and so real. And for me, fasting has been a journey and there have been moments in my walk with Jesus when I've left it to the super pro-Christians because that's just not the level that I'm working at. But as I have grown in discipleship, and this is what we're talking about, this is like what it is to follow Jesus. I've seen my master lead the way in this and I've seen some of what the fruit of fasting is in the lives of other Christians. And it has awakened a hunger in me not to be pro- faster, a serial faster of epic proportions, but for my life, the entirety of my being to host the presence and the power of God, that is what I want more than anything else. I love this passage, Luke chapter 3 again, because we start off with the Spirit being poured out on Jesus and the love of the Father. And here, if you, if you don't fast ever, you know the love of the Father because of what Jesus has done. But what it is to follow Jesus is that if Jesus is moving in this direction, and I'm habitually moving in this direction that there is a turnaround moment by repentance. Where he is, is where I want to be. Jesus prays, I pray. Jesus, the son of God, needs to engage fasting in order to be faithful to the mission his father has given him on the earth. Then I, need to engage this tool to be faithful to the mission that God has given me on the earth. I want to be with Jesus. If Jesus is fasting, I'm fasting. Now we see Jesus show us this template of, yet he knows the ecstasy, the elation of being with the Father but he uses that and translates it into spiritual power. You see when we worship, when we make space for the spirit of God in the ways that we are accustomed to, the spirit is always depositing something new of himself in us. You might not be able to read it on your forehead after the fact, but that's what happens when we commune with God in any way. He's depositing something of himself in us. He is nurturing the life of Jesus in us at the in, in the insides of us but beyond that moment of deposit I think of this like in childbirth terms right there's an initial ecstatic moment of deposit some of you know I'm talking about some of you might need to engage a biology teacher to get the ins and outs but there's this initial moment of ecstasy and for many of us that's what we live in we live in that initial moment of ecstasy and then we run out of it things go ori, and then we come back again looking for another spiritual high but what happens is there's that initial moment of ecstasy a seed is deposited and then. And it needs to be nurtured space needs to be made in the woman in the carrier of this seed so that seed can come to life now in you and I there is a force within us the flesh disordered desires sin that sees that seed and wants with everything for that seed to be expelled from the body. The flesh inside you and I does not want the life of Jesus to come to the fore in us. And so as a matter of priority, we wanna take hold of every tool that will enable us to say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit, so that the life of the spirit in us can be nurtured and brought to maturity. So if you're here and fasting isn't your thing, do you know what, full grace for that. That has been my story for a lot of my life. But there comes a point in the road with Jesus where we need to examine Am I really with him? Am I where he is? Am I living in the fullness of the spirit's power? Jesus, there is no point between Luke three and Luke four where Jesus is more loved by the Father than any other. He's loved in the same way all through, but the power comes as he says no to the flesh, as he stands on the authority of God's word, and as he makes space for the spirit to fully take the run of him. You are dearly loved, but where is the power? We are here seeking the power of God. No to the flesh, yes to the spirit. That's the invitation and perhaps the challenge that's before us in this moment. How can we say yes to the spirit and no to the flesh? So good. So good. We're just young. We're... I'm just conscious of time
0: and we want to create space uh, to pray. I, I know a couple of questions that have come in around fasting, uh, particularly around um, eating disorders or sort of a dysfunctional relationship to food. And actually we were just just briefly to, to cover that one. I, again, for me, um, part of the, the narrative that I talked about earlier has meant that uh, in periods of my life I've had quite a, a dysfunctional relationship with food. And it is something that I've had to watch with fasting so that I'm not fasting to get thin, I'm not fasting to lose weight. And of course we're always a mixed bag of the flesh and the spirit wrestling within us. And so if I waited to fast when I could be absolutely sure that, that not one little thought would pop into my mind of, oh, I might, I might lose a pound today, I, I'd, I'd never fast. Because it's always, always gonna be a mixed bag, but it is something to be really important, be aware of. And I think if, if, if anyone is is struggling with sort of a serious eating disorder, then again, contemplate fasting very carefully and as Dumbledore has said really clearly you're not loved more you're not more of a Christian uh, God God, uh, God, is gracious and understands where we're at also I think if you're pregnant or you're breastfeeding a baby really think carefully before you fast uh, because you're feeding another human being and that's really important um,
1: We might say? just hop on that real yeah, quick yeah please do um, so with fasting we're talking about spiritual warfare and so this is a way that we can engage in in a greater dimension of spiritual warfare. For some people in this room, for some women in this room, the next act of spiritual warfare for you is to engage a counselor and to learn with the help of the people that are trained and sensitive what it is for you to love your body well. That's good. For yeah. some people, the starting point isn't go and work out a plan for fasting. The starting point is, where have I believed a lie of the enemy that I am not worthy of love because of my body or because of the way that I am and how can I take hold of the range of tools that they are and exceptional people like Mark so that I am loving the body I am not giving the enemy room to put deceitful ideas in my head I am affirming the gift of this body that God has given me in all its glory and its bumps and whatnot. and from that I'm telling the enemy you mess with the wrong one I'm going to love the body that God has given me I'm going to cherish it and honour it because yeah, this on. is God's gift to me
3: Good. I would just want to uh, endorse that but I'd also want to say I know for myself I've been told medically that I can't fast same here and for me that was a huge huge journey in fact a huge loss and but what I've learned is that God is very very creative <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: He is my creator. He knows my heart. He knows everything I do. He knows my motivations. And so if I can't fast medically or because of eating disorder or because of dot, 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 actually ask God what his fast for you is. And God has been very creative with me, that it has cost me in many ways other than food. That's good. So just, you know, just be kind to self in this. God is a heavenly father, Abba Daddy, who loves you. You're his girls, and he knows how to do this with you. Take the journey of adventure in the fast.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, so good. I think the the last thing I want to add to that, and again, Damalola, if you had, have anything on a practical level, I think the danger is everyone goes away and thinks, oh, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Is that the starting point? No, <laughs> it's not. And, you know, just to share, again, for me, I've, I, I've been on a, I guess, on a fasting journey. Again, I love Damalola's, like, I, basically the motivation is I want more of you God I want my whole being to be captivated by who you are and if fasting's a tool that you've given me then I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab hold of it for that end for that purpose and a rhythm that, that uh, actually both Tim and I do is we fast on Tuesdays So we eat our dinner on Monday night and then we don't eat again until our dinner with our kids on Tuesday night. And we decided to do it that way because we wanted to, family meal time is important to us and I think it's important to God that we eat a meal with our children. And so that's how we do it. We do it every week, you know, not without exception. There are some times that we don't, but generally that's a rhythm for us. But there are other times again, and it's usually B, quite honestly, we'll put a message on the WhatsApp saying, hey, you know, we're going to fast to this, uh, you know, so again intercession um let's fast together and so there'll be other times where you, we may fast specifically for specifically. something like yeah again does anybody want to add to that just on a really practical so that we can if anyone's not fasted before and they're thinking yeah actually i want i want to try this
1: i'd say um yeah don't start at 40 days <laughs> if you love yourself no god don't 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 do it. Um, what really, really wise to start achievable? So it might be for you that a good starting point might be skipping one meal. Yeah. And maybe it's that you try that in one month. And that's totally fine. The point is, what is the direction of your heart towards God is the direction of your heart to give him a yes progressively and the spirit will take whatever you give him and multiply it so start small start achievable for myself I have a similar rhythm to Rachel so once a week not on a fixed day it's a moving feast for me and there are some like just practicalities around that it helps me make it an achievable staple part of my life I think there is a measure of maturity to having it as a set thing so that might be something that gets reviewed in the future. Um, but if I look forward to my week and I'm like, oh, I think my period is going to start on this day, I'm absolutely not fasting my period. So I'm going to try and get it in before that or on the other end of it and fit it in within the and, context and of the week.
0: I don't fast when my kids are on school holidays, often actually to be totally honest, because I have five children in my home and it, yeah, it would be pretty messy by lunchtime if, if I was caring for them all and denying myself a food. But again, that, that just be, could be my spiritual uh, insufficiency.
1: No, I, I, to, I totally hear you. Though, but like, we need to like apply wisdom to this too. Um, so another thing with that is, if there's like something big coming up, and I know that like I'm gonna need an, a measure of energy. There's times that God has like giving me incredible energy in the context of fasting, but there's just a like plotting ahead. I want, I want to do this, and I want it to be achievable in my life. If I'm gonna be fasting and like think I'm getting filled with the Spirit's power and being awful to everyone I meet that day it's not a win it's not a win for the kingdom of God so I'm trying to apply wisdom with that and um, also we see the example of Jesus when he is fasting, he is feasting on the word of God and on the spirit of God. So he's making a, a point of having some intentional contact point with the spirit afresh in the midst of fasting that makes it fasting and not hunger strike. So what does it look like to have these contact points with heaven in the midst of it? Be mentioned tongues a while ago. I have found that if I'm really, really struggling in the midst of a fast, that if I take out a few minutes to speak in tongues, to engage with the power of the Holy Ghost, that I see power released to me in the midst of my weakness so if you're going through a fast or considering one i'd love you to consider that as a tool in your arsenal and then again as has been said doing it together having a measure of solidarity there are there maybe some friends that you could say do you know what we want to go for some maturity together how about we do this we check in with each other we keep each other accountable but we also encourage each other we're there for each other and finally um not having a hangover of shame if you don't make it through a fast or if you don't make it to. goal that you have the point of this is to get ahead of the enemy not to give him a new rod over your back so we just don't take it we are affirmed and loved by our father and we stretch ourselves and if there's times when we don't fully make the goal that we have we are captured by the arms of love but we're not giving any space for the enemy to undermine us and those are some helpful things to have in mind stay hydrated manage your energy and be wise amidst being spiritual and brush your teeth amen oh mints oh mints keep some mints in your bag for the glory of God and for the service of your neighbor don't it's not worth it it's not worth it and take and
0: take long naps that's I remember somebody saying to me like this you can sleep and fast you can sleep and fast that's quite good do you know We. I, I'm just we could keep going but we would ju- why don't we stand let's stand we got some time to pray